Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. How are you this week, Patty? As per usual, I'm positively fantastic. As people, I'm sure, are aware, because they listen to this podcast regularly, religiously, in fact, we launched the Coach's Corner last week. That's been going quite well. Jesus. Um, (laughs) Gary Gary has contracted COVID, apparently. Um, um, But yeah, the Coach's Corner has been going well, so I'm enjoying that. We have all the all the stuff going, kicking along very nicely. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, I couldn't be happier. It's actually very sunny out at the moment where, where I am. Um, so hopefully it's going to be a phenomenal day and I just get to get a bit of a tan, sit on my back, do my check-ins. It'll be lovely. But anyway, Gary, that's positively beside the point. Um, what's the story? What are we to Actually, no, we can't actually just jump onto that just yet. You were back in college this week. How was that? It was absolutely fantastic sitting at home, uh, learning online. So basically just the same as my summer, just more structured. <laughs> so yeah, all our, all our college work or not all of it, but the vast, vast majority of it is delivered online. So all those boring lectures that you sit through for two hours and you're thinking, God, would this lecture ever speed up? Could they try and be a little bit more interesting? You now get to do them online at double speed. So that suits me absolutely down to the ground, to be honest. Uh, gives me more flexibility to do my work. And it means I just have to be in college a couple of days per week to do whatever we have to do in person so suits me grand other than other than like not seeing people in your class um it's not that big a deal however i would like a little bit of a discount on the old college fees but universities are not doing that unfortunately so (laughs) that is why universities will not exist in the next few years but anyway that's beside the point and what are we going to discuss today gary so today we're going to be discussing another applied coaching concept which is We've has basically been the theme for the last number of weeks. We've been focusing on things that are specific to coaches. Um, you could say healthcare professionals as well. This is definitely very relevant for beyond personal trainers. And uh, this topic today is is going to be the topic of failure and failure specifically in the sense that you feel you have not served your client to maybe the best of your ability or the best of their expectations. Um, and obviously, the, the better you can align those things from the beginning of the coaching process, the more likely you are to succeed, the less likely there is to be a sense of fear. Uh, this is something that we all deal with as personal trainers, as nutritionists, as healthcare professionals, um, doctors, physios, whatever. Everyone is going to have to deal with that feeling that you have let your client down. Obviously, in the personal training world, that might be something as simple as the initial goal was to lose 10 kilos over a certain period of time and we only lost six, okay? Not too much of a big deal. Generally, there's going to be other things that we can measure that have been successful, such as the change in the person's dietary behaviors that carries forward, etc. So a lot of uh, those small failures probably don't matter that much. However, there can be some more significant things like, for example, if you were coaching someone towards a specific deadline, and they feel like they didn't get there on time. Like it could be a bodybuilding contest. If you coach that population, it could be a powerlifting competition. It could be uh, some, some sort of sporting event. 
um, if there was a specific deadline and they feel like they didn't meet the deadline, they didn't do any better than they would have had they not been with you, then obviously that's something that can be quite tough to take. And obviously if you're, if you're a healthcare professional or, or a doctor or something, it could be something more sinister, like the treatment that you administered actually made the person sicker, you know? So obviously they're, they're more difficult things to deal with, but we're going to be focusing primarily on the, on the personal training population. So as I said, there are many, many examples where failure can pop up. And I know that personally, I've got some things that, that always stick in my mind with certain clients. And one of the one of the first memories I have of feeling like, do you know what? I fucked this up. I, sh- I messed up. Um, and it's been a real lesson to me since was I was coaching this one client and her goal was primarily fat loss. And she had tried some, some diets prior to this. And basically she signed up with me. And at the time, um, basically what I said to her was, um, don't worry, we're going to get you set up. Um, we've got your calories, your macros, some food guidelines, etc. cetera. Uh, once we get on board with this plan, uh, it's going to be foolproof. You know, we're going to make progress. It's going to be great. And to me at the time, when I said this was foolproof, that wasn't something that necessarily meant much to me. It was just like in passing kind of a thing. But because I said that, that basically was one of the reasons that she felt so confident going into the plan. And then for whatever reasons, um, maybe the the calories and the macros weren't appropriate or my guidance in check-ins wasn't good enough or whatever. She didn't actually have success at the time and didn't reach her weight loss goal at all. Um, And it basically didn't didn't end up being successful from her uh, perspective of the coaching process. So for me, that was a big lesson on my part because she came back to me at the end and said, you said this was going to be foolproof. And that made me feel like a real idiot. And that made me feel like I had let her down. And for years since, that that example always sticks with me when I think of failure, because I just remember how stupid I felt when she brought that back up. So that's that's an important one to get, because that's something that may seem quite subtle um, from your own perspective as a coach. But the things that you say they stay with your clients. And when they bring them back up, it's important for you to realize that communication actually is important. So the way that I presented that plan in the first place actually determined my ability to to then respond later on. So had I not said it was foolproof, had I presented it in such a way that uh, this is the nutrition guidelines, uh, these are the nutrition guidelines that we're starting with, recognize that they are flexible. And as we move forward, we can change these. Um, it may be that I'm starting you in a position that's actually inappropriate. So let me know, feedback to me. Um, that would actually have been a much more uh, open conversation because it would have meant that if she felt she was failing along the way, she could come back and feedback to me rather than it being the case that she felt like a fool. Because if I'm saying this is foolproof, and then she's not necessarily having success, then that's a very, it's very justifiable that the person would feel like uh, it's kind of on them then and they don't feel so great about it. So they're going to be less open. So that's, that's one example of failure. And it, it comes back to an important point as it relates to failure. And that is setting an appropriate expectations, boundaries, et cetera, from the beginning in the coaching process. So if I'm trying to set goals for someone, I'm going to be discussing goals that I think are going to be at least mostly achievable. So I do kind of like stretch goals with some clients where I'm probably pushing you a bit further than we're actually going to get to, but because they're the type of person that might like that and they're going to really aim at that, then that can be a good thing because then it means that if they get 70 75% of the way there, 
we can actually look back and be like, hey, that's actually a lot of progress. And I'm really, I'm really happy with the progress you've made. When I initially set this goal, this was like the ideal outcome, but this is still really, really good. So that can still be real positive. Um, so that's kind of the goal setting stuff that we've obviously discussed many times before, but you're basically just setting expectations. You're saying this is where we're likely to get to. And if you make those goals far too ridiculous, then the person obviously is going to feel like they've failed. If they've only gotten 30% of the way to a weight loss goal, let's say that you set for them, it's understandable that they're going to feel pretty crappy about things. And and in addition to that, setting up that kind of uh, that relationship where the person feels they're able to feed back to you, to ask you questions, to let you know when you feel or when they feel like they're not actually reaching their goals or they feel like they're failing, et cetera. And then you can actually take ownership of that and make appropriate decisions. They're all good things to, to discuss and get on board from the get-go. So before we go any further into, into how to minimize the potential for failure and strategies, et cetera. Do you have anything to, to add to anything I mentioned there, Paddy? Yeah, there's, there's two things I want to say. First of all, I think everyone in the beginning of their coaching experience, like if you're a coach or potentially even if you're being coached, um, there's going to be mistakes. You know, you're, yeah. you're not going, you, first of all, you don't have all of the knowledge required. You know, you don't have all of the different protocols. You don't know how to read the signs as effectively. You know, you haven't seen it before. You know, you don't have the experience. While you might have the, the, the we'll say the textbook knowledge, you're like, I understand, you know, thermodynamics. I understand calories, macros, all that stuff. I understand training principles. I understand, you know, anatomy. You're, you might have the most fantastic knowledge, but you don't actually have that coaching experience, you know? And there's going to be mistakes. So I don't want people to listen to this and be like, oh, uh, I'm only a beginner trainer. I don't want to ever make a mistake you have to accept the fact that there are going to be mistakes and effectively what you're trying to do is minimize those mistakes and learn from them, which obviously we'll, we'll get into. Um, but the other thing I want to always, or I always kind of go back to in terms of uh, a guiding mantra in, in terms of how I approach coaching, but also how I view how to sell coaching effectively. And that is uh, under promise, but over deliver, you know, like you want to make, like Gary said, like realistic goals, you know, you want to make realistic promises in terms of what you're actually saying can be achieved in this time frame, And, and yet hundred percent, you know, you want to have them sometimes be like a little bit of a stretch goal in terms of, you know, you're saying, Oh, like, I think I couldn't lose five kilos in this time frame, And you're like, I actually think we can maybe lose a little bit more. That'll get us where we need to be, you know, whatever. Or again, you're like, Oh, look, based on, you know, the way you squat and whatever, I actually think you have a bit more weight uh, on the bar in you. We can really push for that over the next few weeks. And, and you know, you build up their confidence and whatever else that goes along with that, you know? And uh, so I do think stretch goals are, are good, but also being realistic with expectations and managing expectations is a huge part of it. And it starts before the actual like goal setting and all that kind of stuff, you know, it, it starts with how you're actually communicating to the individual and what you're saying to them. Like Gary said, like he literally said a word in passing. It's like, oh, this is foolproof. Right. And that now has, he's, he's effectively over promising. Right. And that makes it a situation where unless 
you get phenomenal results, which, you know, hopefully you do get phenomenal results. Like that's what I would ideally like for every coach out there to be able to be like, yeah, look, I just always get phenomenal results. Happy days. That'd be great. Right. But it's, it's not always the case that doesn't happen. Right. And so instead of saying something like that, he could say something uh, a little bit less, you know, you know, over promising and effectively under promise and say, look, I know you've struggled with, you know, weight loss previously. So I think this is a manageable goal in the next, you know, eight weeks or whatever it is, you know, and we'll shoot for this. If we really nail this down, I think we're on the right path with things and, and we should be able to achieve this. And, but, you know, mistakes might happen and, you know, you might fall off the diet, you know, you might have events come up. So it's not so much the, uh, weight on the the scales that we're looking at we're really looking at really building good patterns right and and effectively you're communicating with them so that you are managing their expectations the entire way through the process but also you are trying to over deliver in the actual execution of the plan right so if you're saying i think again you've struggled previously you know i think being realistic three kilos is a a great weight loss for you right if we can get that we know we can build momentum on that you know we can keep going from there right but then you actually over deliver and you're like right no we can actually push a little bit harder we've nailed this because i've really provided the the resources for you to be successful with this diet you know and i've really helped with the coaching process in terms of actually managing the diet so that you know how to deal with events out you know you know how to navigate different things that come up in your day-to-day life and again then you actually over deliver on the actual execution while you've actually under promised on what's actually, you know, you're, you're trying to achieve, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Um, I think that is, that is really important. And that's, that kind of comes back to what we discussed in previous episodes related to like collaborative decision-making, for example, I think it was two podcasts ago, but collaborative decision-making basically allows you both to get on the same path from the get-go. And if you're both on the same path, you both have similar expectations. The client knows what they should expect of you and you know uh, what what you expect of the client, then that actually sets you up for less chances of failure. And ultimately it's about both of you feeling like there's been a sense of success rather than um, just one of you. So, you know, it, it is like, that is what the collaborative process is all about is, is that, you know, you want to feel good at the end of the day as a coach, you want to feel like you've actually done a good job, but more than, more than that, you obviously want your client to feel satisfied with the service that you've provided. So, I mean, that, that is something that I think is important to understand because in some cases you can actually feel like you maybe mightn't have done a great job and your client hasn't gotten the best outcomes, but they could still be happy with how they've done. And I would consider that to be like, okay, that's a, that's a win, a little bit of a win, but it's not a, a real win because you know that there was more in the tank. You know that you could have done something better. Um, and I think they're the, they're the examples I find myself coming back to more and more these days because obviously I've, I make less stupid mistakes as a coach in terms of like just saying the wrong thing or setting up really bad expectations. But there are definitely still cases where sometimes I have clients where, you know, if I reflect at the end of three or six months of coaching or whatever that, you know, I think to myself, you know, I should have thought about this earlier. I should have brought in that earlier, or maybe if we had, you know, 
made this change with nutrition that seems to be working really well now if we made that three months ago the person could have had even better outcomes so constantly reflecting on your own practice and thinking you know what could i have done differently uh, where were the mistakes that i made that's like, always a really good way of moving forward because ultimately what you did ne- what you never want to do and you do hear stories about this sometimes is be the coach who's just a, a, a blamer. You know, you just blame your clients for any anything that goes wrong. So if your client is not adhering to their diet, your only solution is to hit them with the, you need to be more disciplined. You need to, you know, get on the path. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of that mindset myself and I would speak to myself like that sometimes, but I'm never going to speak to a client like that unless they're the type of person who like, they just want to be, you know, given a bit of a shoe up the arse. Some people want that sometimes, but the vast majority of cases, um, it's it's just not enough to just turn around and just keep blaming the the person for not doing the work because, if you always have to first assume that it's a problem with you and your your plan of action. That's what I always assume first. My first assumption is that, right, I need to take ownership of this situation and ask what I did wrong. So for example, if the if I started off a client on 1500 calories and their previous their previous maintenance was 2,500 calories and they're now unable to adhere to the diet because hunger is getting in the way, they have low energy in their job, et cetera. I could turn around and say, yeah, this is your fault because you're not, you don't have the discipline, but it would make more sense for me to start by saying, Hey, maybe I actually overshot it with the deficit. Maybe this is too low for this individual's energy expenditure. And we actually need to be a little bit less aggressive. Maybe that change on my end could facilitate the person's adherence. So instead of viewing the adherence as the sole problem, you view that as a signal that there might be a different problem somewhere else and you see what you can fix. And then the good thing about that is that if you, if you actually acknowledge where you have failed, then that's far more likely to then contribute to your client also acknowledging where they might've failed. So for example, if you've made that change and you say, um, let's bring calories back up to 2000 calories per day. That's an additional 500. Um, and let's make sure that we're eating foods that are, that are quite satiating and that are less likely to lead to, to overeating. So maybe less donuts, more broccoli kind of job. All right. And then your client turns around and they're like, you know what, actually, I think I could have done a better job too, because I, when I, when I look at my fiber, it was quite low and I wasn't really hitting my protein. And, you know, I was getting a lot of my carbs from pop tarts and, you know, they might come around and own up to some of the mistakes that they feel they may have made or that they may have made. Um, And then going forward, you've actually both contributed your respective ownership of the situation. And then you move forward collaboratively. So it's a really nice way of approaching things. And it's something that can, that can be hard early on as a coach because it's very tempting to just fall into the trap of advertising your services in a way that is a, a bit of an exaggeration. So if, it, if it's hard to get clients for you, for example, it makes sense to try to overstep your claims a little bit. Like a lot of people do that, you know, sign up with me uh, if you want to make the best muscle gains of your life or get leaner than you ever have. But the problem with that is that those promises, like Patty said, they end up being over-promising and it's very difficult to then live up to that. So maybe if you're someone that does that, maybe you run ads or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to just take them down, but it could be the case that when the person does initially sign up, you really do focus on actually setting those expectations, setting appropriate goals and letting your client know what they should expect of you. So for example, if your client... uh, has been with a previous coach, 
they may have actually had a different setup to what you have. So for example, we use WhatsApp contact midweek with our clients where our clients have the potential to, you know, send us videos and stuff like that. And we'll respond with some feedback and maybe that's part of the check-in, maybe it's separate to the check-in, but that may not have been the exact same process uh, with with another coach. So if someone was to move from a coach where WhatsApp was the norm and then they move to a new coach and that the contact is restricted to, let's say, email at the weekend, then if the person has previous expectations that are carrying over, then that's not going to reflect well on you if you don't make that clear from the beginning. Whereas if you say, look, I actually use email contact at the weekend as my primary means of contact. Um, I don't use WhatsApp for this reason, but you know what? If you want to send me videos, you can do it on Google Photos. You can send them as part of your email, whatever, and I'll review them at the end of the week. And the reason I do this is so that I can sit down and give you, you know, all my attention at the weekend and make sure you're on the path of the week. That's why I do it. Then at least you've said, right, this is why I make these decisions. This is how the process works. Here are the alternatives. And now the person knows what to expect. What you don't want is at the end of the 12 weeks for the person to turn around and say, here, I actually, you know, was expecting a lot more contact um, because that's not actually, that's not very good to be looking at in retrospect. Whereas if the person had said that to you in the first place, that they need more contact, then maybe you could have modified things. So again, it's about getting expectations of the service out there as well, as much as it is related to diet and training specifically. And I think that can make for better relationship and less chances that you or your client will feel like there's been a sense of failure at the end of the coaching process. Yeah, 100%. So effectively with this as well, you need to be in that frame of mind where you're allowing yourself to make mistakes, right? Acknowledging that you're just not going to have the perfect service. You're not going to have every bit of knowledge and whatever else to actually be able to get the, the best results, right? And just as an aside, obviously that can be solved very easily you know, you get better documentation, better standard operating procedures, better processes, etc. Et you know, and um, like that's some of that is an easy fix. The information side of things, again, that's an easy fix. You can just, you know, join the coach's corner, for example, or, you know, read our articles or, you know, just read other people's articles or watch their videos or whatever. You can get the information that you need, you know, like it's, it's out there somewhere, you know, maybe you do have to do pay for a consult with someone, but you know, you can get the information that you need in this day and age. Like it's having a lack of information is just not an excuse. You know, basically information is fairly freely available. Right. Um, so that stuff can be easily fixed. However, you have to actually have the mindset that you can be wrong. You, you can make mistakes because it's very easy, especially if you, like when you're coaching individuals, you're effectively becoming, we'll say like a father figure or a mother figure or whatever, you know, a, a parental figure where you are guiding them through a process. You know, you can say you're a teacher, you're a fucking, you know, whatever, you know, but you, you are effectively guiding people's lives. You are making decisions for these people. That's effectively what they're paying you for. They're like, make the decisions around my food, make the decisions around my exercise, you know? So make the decisions around how I move and how I eat. Basically the, the two things that you do outside of, you know, your job and your family, you know? Um, so you, you are really encroaching on someone's life, right? So that can make it, or make you feel like and believe that you, are some sort of fucking godlike person in terms of you have 
the, the more confidence you have the knowledge you have all that you can always feel like oh like i'm 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 the person that people go to to solve their problems you know so you can be overly confident right and it's very easy to get to that position especially if you are a very successful coach you're able to get results with quite a lot of people you have you know an impressive you know roster of you know client testimonials and results and you're like look i know what i'm doing right however even in that case you have to be willing to make mistakes and willing to accept the fact that you made a mistake right and like i already said you have to be willing to take ownership of that as well where you're 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 in that position you're like all right actually i fucked up or maybe we'll say you didn't fuck up but you could have done something better you know it doesn't have to be an outright mistake you know but it wasn't it wasn't to your standard it wasn't to the standard that you would like to receive from coaching it wasn't to the standard that you'd like to deliver from coaching right you have to be willing to accept that because as gary said you don't want to be in that situation where you take no ownership and you blame the client like 100 percent. there's situations where you know it is the client's fault right but it's still your responsibility right where you know they didn't adhere to the the calories you know they were constantly out snacking and you know doing whatever else it's still your responsibility they're outsourcing the the program the nutrition the whatever guidance so that you can help them get results if they're struggling with actually sticking to your guidelines it's like it's your responsibility to take ownership of that and come up with a solution to that and again it might be the case where you're like look I can't help you. You just communicate with them. You say, I can't help you if you are going to continue to do this and not follow my food guidelines or whatever after I've consistently, you know, tried to modify them to help you more easily stick to them. You know, I actually think I need to refer you to some sort of like food psychologist or a psychologist in, in general because your relationship with food is just, it's not in a good place to get the results that you want to achieve. You know, we need to actually work on that before you can ever even consider what I'm offering. You know, um, so you have to be willing to accept the fact that, you know, it, it might be their fault, you know, they're not sticking to the plan, but it's your responsibility to get them on the, the path because that's what they're paying you for. They're not actually paying you for results because no one can guarantee results, right? But you can guarantee a level of service, you know, you can guarantee that you are going to try your best, you know, to get them on the path towards their results. You know, and so you have to be willing to, first of all, make mistakes, but also accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes. But on top of that, accept the fact that you have made mistakes and take ownership of that and come up with solutions. So first of all, it never happens again. You know, you come up with protocols, whether again, it's, you know, further education or whatever that you need, but also you come up with systems and uh, an understanding of how to communicate with individuals so that you can get better results in the future. Because like I said, you don't want to be in that situation where you just blame the, the client. It's always, oh, it's never my fault. You know, I'm just thinking about that in an everyday life. I'm sure you know people who it's never their fault. Like literally they're, if something goes wrong, it's like, oh, it's because of you. You know, you probably work with people like that, you know, or you have worked with people like that. It's like, oh, why didn't this, why wasn't this on time? Why was, wasn't it, you know, we didn't reach the deadline or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's because of John, you know? And it's like, everyone in the room knows it's because of the person that said that, you know, like they didn't take ownership. It's like, they're the leader of the, the team and they didn't take ownership. Like, why weren't they on top of John, you know, making sure that he was, 
up to, you know, had the resources available to him to actually get the results or to get the, the project done or, or whatever. Um, or again, just making sure that he knew that it was, you know, a deadline, whatever, you know, if you're the team leader, it's like you, you have to be in you, that's your job, you know, um, and effectively with coaching, that is what you're, you're doing. That is your job. You are the team leader, you know, you're the leader leading this person and um, to, you know, on the path and um, to actually getting the results that they, they want, you know, yeah, and, and this is actually also something that does extend to more kind of information-based stuff as it relates, especially when, you, when you're working with longer-term clients. So for example, I've had, I've, I have some clients that I've been working with for years across which I have obviously had to change my mind on certain topics, you know, and it may be certain topics that are directly related to the advice that I actually give them. And the earlier you are in your career as a coach, the more obviously the more times you're going to end up changing your mind because it's very unlikely that you just walk in and you have everything correct immediately. Like that's just not likely. So it might be the case that like once you've been working with a client for a year, that the advice that you gave them about nutrition or maybe about a certain macronutrient or a certain exercise that they do or whatever, that you've actually completely changed your mind on that. And you now need to update those beliefs and that's something I used to find quite difficult because you kind of have to turn around to your client and say, Hey, I know we've been doing this thing for six months, but I've actually learned more since. And it's probably not the best idea. I think we should do this instead. That can be quite difficult to do. But what you have to realize is that your clients will almost always respect you for it. Okay. Um, if you've, if you've been, if, if they signed up, they've signed up with you, They've done it because, you know, you're a professional that they trust and they trust your guidance. And that's not just based on the information that you have at the moment. Sure, in some cases, people sign up with coaches because they do things in a certain way. And it's much harder to change your beliefs if you do set things up like that. So, for example, if you offer all of your services based on the fact that you are you follow that you do. I'm a, I'm a push, pull, legs, low volume to failure training guy. That's what I do that's what my programming is like, like it or, or leave effectively. All right. You're obviously selecting for individuals who like that programming when they do sign up. But when you do that, you actually base your whole, your whole business, your whole income on a set of beliefs rather than your abilities as a coach, your ability as a coach to uh, attain good, reliable information and apply that in the real world, make good decisions, etc. Instead, you're just choosing one thing to attach yourself to. And if you're in that position, it can be actually really difficult to change your beliefs because the reason someone signed up with you was because of those beliefs. So it's very unlikely you're going to turn around to your client and say, Hey, uh, I know I sold the programming to you based on this, but that's actually probably what's leading to you having poor outcomes. Like no one wants to do that, but it can be something that can be quite important, particularly in the cases of, let's say, if we're talking about programming, and the person gets injured six weeks into the program and they say, I got injured. I felt it coming on over the course of a week. Uh, it was the most intense week of training. And then I got injured in the gym. Um, of course, you can turn around to your client at that point in time and say, yeah, you probably uh, let your technique slip. You know, don't do that again. But the sounder way to approach that would be, you know what, my training parameters, they mightn't have actually been appropriate but let's try and get you back in the path. Let's modify some things and let's use this information to guide us going forward. Like that's useful. That's you saying, all right, there might've been a problem with what I've done. Okay. I need to, I need to change my approach next time. Here's how we're going to move forward. 
flipping it around and saying that was your fault because you did the exercise poorly. It's just not a helpful, helpful way of going about things. So what I would say to people is that in, in the case where your, your beliefs are the failure, that's something that it's still okay to be open about with your clients. Because I've done that. I've, I've had to say to clients that, you know, I, I know I told you this before, but look, I've been trying to educate myself since I've been, you know, reading lots about this topic and it seems like we'd be better off, uh, going with uh, slightly higher fiber intake or slightly lower fiber intake or whatever it happens to be that you're discussing. And they'll respect you for that. They genuinely will because they know then that you're in the process of seeking out what's actually best for them. You know, they know that you're not just selling them your method. You're selling them your skills as a coach to move forward and to find better solutions for their problems because they now know that, okay, if I, if I have a certain problem in the future, I know that he or she is going to go ahead and try to find the best answer rather than just doing what they've always done. And personally, you know, if I was hiring a coach or if I was looking for a doctor or a physio or whatever it was, I'd want someone that was genuinely interested in solving my problems than just applying their specific business model or method uh, to, to my problem as a solution. So, um, so yeah, I definitely think that that's something worth thinking about as well. I don't really have anything else to add to this conversation because I think yeah. like if the main thing is if you're willing to accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes, especially if you are a, an early career trainer, nutritionist, whatever, right? And, and obviously we're caveating this entire conversation with the principle of like, do no harm. Like we're not, yeah. like, obviously if you're in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm recommending this completely extreme diet or this completely extreme, you know, training principles or whatever. It's like the risk, like the, the risk to reward thing has to be extraordinarily skewed for you to, first of all, actually want to recommend those things. Um, and if it isn't, it's like, well, like realistically, if you are having nutrition and training principles that are, you know, what's like dangerous, like they are actually causing harm potentially, then, you know, maybe you need to do some uh, different things with your, your coaching practice (laughs) and to say the least. So, um, we're, we're obviously under that caveat of like, do no harm, but that doesn't mean that you can't make mistakes. Like, obviously we want to minimize them. Right. And that comes with time, you know, where you just have a better experience, better knowledge, et cetera. And obviously better processes, better systems, but also that comes with the ability to accept that, okay, I've made a mistake. How do I learn? How do I grow from that? How do I, you know, help the, the client in front of me, you know, move forward past this mistake? I'm saying mistake, but as we discussed, it's not necessarily a mistake. It could just be a, a thought process that you now know is like, maybe that's not the most healthful or maybe that's not the, the most beneficial in this situation, you know? And you, you evolve your coaching practice, you evolve your knowledge and you get to that position where you're like, look, I actually think we need to change this or i actually think we've been doing this wrong because of x y and z you know you need to be willing to accept the fact that you can be wrong and that there are better practices available to you and like that's not to say that we have the most infallible practice the most infallible knowledge you know i learn stuff new all the time you know like i literally a lot an hour per day for learning right i wouldn't do that if i thought i knew it all you know, if I thought I knew it all and I was like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm just actually, I'm actually infallible. I actually know everything there possibly is to know about my, my field, you know, 
if I thought that, I wouldn't read books. I wouldn't, you know, read research papers because I know it all. Why would I do that? Yeah, it's, it's too it's obvious, you know? And um, so even at a stage where, you know, people will say, look up to us or look to us for guidance or look to us for information or whatever. Like I'm still willing at this stage to be wrong. I actually much prefer, if we have it on the website of our website. It's like, you know, if you find incorrect or factually incorrect or whatever type of error uh, in one of our articles, it's like, you know, shoot us a message. Like I actually don't care about, you know, being right in terms of, you know, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. I actually just want to be right. I want to be, I want to have the correct information, you know? And so that's why we have you know, those kind of disclaimers on our website. It's like, you know, reach out, let us know. You know, if, we, if you think we're wrong with this, let us know, you know? And you have to have that same process and same thought process as a coach where, you know, you're willing to be wrong. You're willing to be proven wrong. And then you're willing to evolve your practice as a result. The one thing you don't want to do, well, there's two things you don't want to do. You don't want to, blame your client and be like, look, it's, it's your fault. You know, it's all, it's all on you. I actually have the best practices. Like we don't want to be in that situation. But we also don't want to be in that situation where, and you see this all the time in the, the health and fitness sphere where people effectively just lie and say, Oh, I never actually believed that. Or they shift the goalposts and be like, Oh no, that's not what I meant. Even though like the words are written there or the videos are taken or whatever. And it's like, there's no other way to interpret the, the meaning of these words that you strung together in this sentence, you know, it's like, this was your belief, you know, you can admit that you're wrong. You don't have to admit that like everything, you know, is wrong. You know, you can admit that like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm willing to move past this and, you know, grow from this. You know, I will, I thought this in the past, but I've actually evolved past that. I've, you know, expanded my knowledge. I think this now, you know, um, and people respect that far, far more than people who just go, Oh, oh, I never actually believed that, you know, uh, that wasn't me, you know, uh, or again, they're like, oh, I'm not willing to change my practices. It's your fault that you can't, uh, you know, stick to the diet or the training or whatever, you know? Yep. Completely agree. And I think that that concept of, of belief change blindness is something that's very pervasive where like the rea- the reality is that most of us are updating our beliefs a lot of the time, um, especially early on in your career as a trainer. Um, or at least you should be. And, you know, even if you're just following different people and you're kind of moving towards maybe something that they do a little bit more and you're like, okay, that makes sense. I'm, I'm changing my beliefs slightly. You can often end up blind to the fact that that ever took place. And you can end up thinking, oh God, I never believed that. You know, I never believed that a metabolic damage was a thing, or I never believed that you had to eat 300 grams of protein a day. The reality is that most of us believed stupid shit in the past. Like that's just, that's just normal. Like that's life. Like that's outside of fitness, outside of your career. Like you have to change your beliefs over time. Like that's how life works. Otherwise you're just like, I don't know, just completely dogmatic and, and not willing to move at all. But the reality is that for most people, people are changing their beliefs all the time. It's very, it's a very frequent occurrence. Like, you know, personally, I used to, I used to believe a lot of, a lot of stupid shit too. Like I remember I used to, um, I used to be a big fan of like a carb backloading back in the day. Like I would never have carbs for breakfast. And it was just like just in the evening when I had trained, that was the only time I had carbs. And I thought that, you know, that was going to make big differences to my muscle building and staying lean and stuff like that. 
and like that that that's normal lots of people believe that stuff you know when they first get into into fitness i used to think that you know i used to have a i used to have a have to have a massive serving of protein at each meal um you know five six meals a day whatever like we all did that back in the day you know most coaches that you speak to when they first got into training to ask them what they used to do and what they used to believe some of the things will be ridiculous um so you ultimately need to just realize that everyone, including all the people who sound really smart um, and, are, and like to mock people for being wrong, um, recognize that all those people were also very wrong in the past as well. And at the same time, it's also very likely that what they believe now is also going to change in the future or at least be modified. Of course, over time, you're more likely to become someone who's a little bit more conservative as it relates to not taking in new things so quickly like as you as you get five ten years into the coaching profession and you've been really trying to learn all that time it's not likely that you're suddenly going to radically change your diet but it might just be a subtle thing you might say you know what i used to think that i needed at least 2.5 grams per kilo of protein per day i'm actually happy enough at two grams now Oh, to be honest, when, I, when my calories are at maintenance, like it's a pretty subtle thing, but you're still always going to be moving in some direction. And ultimately, especially if you're a scientific thinker, like you have to realize that there's always uncertainty as it relates to what we currently know. So there could be future research. They're just, that, that's just in the domain of, we don't know what we don't know. Like we don't know what's going to be discovered in future. And as a result, if you're able to remain open to that possibility, it's justified that you'd also be open to the possibility that what you believed in the past was wrong. So acknowledging it, acknowledging it to yourself is probably the first step. And with that comes, I think the next necessary step, which is don't like for coaches specifically, right? So you've got your own personal training business or online coaching business or whatever. Um, if you're putting out information on social media and you're marketing yourself, like you can get you could get advice from marketing gurus to tell you to you know be real specific about finding your own niche so you might refer to yourself as the low carb guy you know or something like that or keto guys or something along those lines but what i would say is that that's fine short term it might get you more clients it might attract people but it can be very limiting in that it makes it more difficult for you to then change your mind and for you to be honest with your clients about when another approach might be more successful. So I think in terms of long-term success as you know, a personal trainer, particularly one who's working with a broad range of clients, I think like focusing on your ability to, to make decisions, to make good programs for a broad range of individuals to make nutrition decisions that are specific to individuals. I think that's just a generally, generally better way of approaching things than marketing yourself and claiming that your way is the best way and separate to that of everyone else. Because from what I've seen, I think a lot of people tend to either end up just believing a lot of ridiculous stuff to justify that, or they end up changing after a number of years and now they're marketing themselves based on something else. Um, and I don't think that's, that's sustainable for a long-term career if you're in this for the long game. 100%. Anyway, I have nothing else to add, Gary. So where can people find more information, get resources, do all that jazz? Yeah, so as you, as you guys know, and if you're interested in this podcast, I think it's particularly relevant. We have just launched the Coach Corner, which is uh, our education platform, our member site for uh, personal trainers or coaches, whatever your preferred terminology is. 
personal trainers themselves, but they're just interested in um, accessing more information uh, as it relates to things like anatomy and nutrition theory and case, etc. So and you'll basically be added to the members hub. You'll be on an email list where you get an update of all the new content that's released each week. And you'll also be in our Facebook support group. We also keep you up to date on new content that has been produced, uh, which includes video lectures, additional documentation, gym-based videos. So there's a bit of, uh, there's definitely diversity in the content that is offered. So if you are interested, get involved with that. If you're more interested in the coaching side of things, as in working towards own goals we do have coaching spaces available so if you'd like to work with myself or patty welcome to sign up again if you'd like to just get out in the triage community a little bit closer keep up what we're doing keep up with recommendations that we have for other resources joining the triage method newsletter would be good uh, it's a weekly newsletter so you can subscribe to that below and you can also join our free open access facebook group which is the triage method community um, and other than that guys if you'd like to just keep up with our content in general you can you can follow us on instagram follow us on facebook and you can also subscribe to the youtube channel and the podcast of course and if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and review we would really appreciate it to get more people listening to the podcast I'm nothing else sad, Kerry. So uh, we'll see everyone on Thursday, I suppose, because they're listening to this on Monday, even though it's Sunday for us. Um, and it is, as Gary always says, too it's easy. Too easy.